Well, the scripture says in Jude 1 and verse 14, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints. You know, Jesus is not alone. It's not just the angels. It's not just Christ. He is returning. Of course, the saints have been resurrected by this time. And he's returning with 10,000 of his saints to this earth. Now, why is he returning? Well, the next verse there tells us. And I want us to notice the language here of how it, this is put together here. All right, why are the saints, why is Christ returning with the saints? All right, here's your answer. To execute judgment, Jude 1 and verse 15, upon all, to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Notice how many times, you know, it's almost as if the author is fed up with society. The ungodly, the ungodly, the ungodly sinner, and I'm fed up with it. And this is the reason Christ is returning with the saints to make things right once and for all. Now, I want to have a little fun, and then I'm going to get serious here, but picture yourself standing there with this army, and you're waiting for the signal, go. Will half this divide off and say, let's establish Sunday as a universal day of worship? I'm being silly, right? You all know that. No, that's not what it's going to be. Will half this army divide off and say, let's put Christ back into Christmas? No. Now, you might say, well, David, you're being silly. We all, you know, what's strange is we have unity with what I just said. That's good. That's good. You all know that, okay, no, God's not, you know, it's going to be what the Bible says. Is it the Sabbath day, the holy days? You know, we have, if we're going to stick to anything, we have to stick to what the Word of God says. So we have unity in this area. Now let me go, let me get, go in another direction here. As the, among the elect, you're, sta- you're waiting for the signal go. Will half the army think, well, let's establish uh, socialism as the main form of government, sort of like they did in the book of Acts where they sold everything and equally distributed it among themselves. That's the form of government we ought to have. And, of course, we all know that in the book of Acts that that was voluntary. They weren't forced to sell off everything and distribute it equally. They volunteered to do that. That's the, that's the difference. Well, half the army be thinking O.J. was innocent. Why would I bring that up? Well, it has something to do with the gift of the Spirit called discernment. That's why I bring that up. Will half of the army say or believe that the most qualified person, not just woman, but the most qualified person ever to run for the presidency was Hillary Clinton? Why would I bring that up? Bringing up politics and religion, right? Yes, I am. Will half the army think, well, that pornography is just a type of freedom of speech? No, of course not. Will half the army think abortion should always be a woman's right because God, I mean, after all, God gives us freedom and God is not going to take away our freedom and and it's a woman's choice to, 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 you know, to do this with her own body, what she wants to do. Let me tell you something about this event when you're waiting for the signal go. The experiment called freedom 
is over with at this moment. We've had 6,000 years to try this, to try that, to experiment with this, to experiment with that, to try. I think this will work. I think this should work. I think, you know, we've had six. At this moment, when you're given the signal go, the experiment of allowing man 6,000 years of freedom to figure it out is over. At this moment, might is right. And you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. Might is right. And you better understand at that moment what is right. People who are not on the same page are not going to be a part of this army. Okay? People who are not on the same page, they're not going to be in that army. Should be obvious, but I wonder. In Ephesians 4 and verse 13, let's read this. Ephesians 4 and verse 13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. At what point do we achieve unity of the Spirit as God's church? At what point do our minds align with Christ and we think like Jesus Christ thinks? At what point do we achieve the fullness of Christ? At what point do we achieve this unity of the Spirit? A lot of people might say, well, okay, at the resurrection, God's going to wave a magic wand over us and we're all going to think, this, think the same way. And yet, if you back up in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we come in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I don't think the idea that God's just going to make it so at the resurrection is true because of the work of the ministry and all the gifts of the Spirit and what, what the Scripture tells us in Ephesians 11 and verse 12 tells us. I think this is something that we work at right now, unity of the Spirit. Now, if we go back in history of the churches of God, there was a time when I think there was forced unity in a governmental, governmental structure of the churches of God. What appeared to be unity was nothing more than conformity. You sort of feared to be different. You feared to say anything. Feared to do anything. I was talking at a minister at the family weekend and been in the church of God 40 years. And I asked him, I said, you mean you had to get permit? You said you weren't, you weren't even encouraged to do outreach or evangelism or anything? Oh, no, 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 that was not allowed. You, you couldn't do anything out. Yeah, yeah it is crazy. It is crazy. And when the organized church structure fell apart, you sort of find, we found out that what appeared to be unity was not. And that was sort of obvious by how many splinters the churches began to splinter. And, and as one person said at Statesville, uh, <laughs> someone said, the church is splitting again. And she said, well, you can't split kindling. Uh, 
It had so divided, and, and so when that, that organized structure fell apart, you had 14th Passover, you had 15th Passover, you had 24-hour Sabbath, 12-hour Sabbath, you had one God theories, you had feast days a month later, you had, you know, just you had all kinds of concoctions and ideas that went out there. What appeared to be unity was nothing more than an authoritarian church government making it look like there was unity. Now, what keeps us from achieving unity in the church of God? Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, will set you free. What keeps us, or any one of us, or me, from having unity is you are believing, or we are believing a lie. That's what, I mean, obviously you're believing a lie. If you're believing a lie, you're not going to have unity. If I'm believing one thing, and you're believing something totally different, opposite, you're not going to have unity if you're believing a lie. And if you feed on, it depends on what you feed on. I mean, every morning we, we get up and, and maybe you, you go to your computer, maybe you go, maybe you cut on your TV. All that stuff is free of charge, you know. <laughs> you need to be aware of that. It's coming to you free of charge. And you feed your mind on what you watch on TV or you cut on the radio and you feed your mind. What are you feeding your mind on? as we discuss unity. They talk about, you know, the liberal media, you know, since we just had a school shooting, gun control. Let's take all the guns away from people. That's the answer. Take away the guns. And I saw something just recently that I thought was interesting, that Honduras population is 8.2 million. It has banned citizens from owning guns, and it has the highest homicide rate, homicide rates in the world. Switzerland, on the other hand, has the same amount of population, 8.2 million, requires citizens to own guns, has the lowest homicide, homicide rate in the world. You know, you look at statistics and you realize, okay, this, this gun control issue is, is hogwash. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't work when you take away a man's right to defend himself. I think of the story of Nehemiah. They were rebuilding the wall and it says, even those who carried building material worked with one hand and kept a weapon in the other. Imagine that. You had a trial in one hand. You're, you're, well, they didn't have guns back then, did they? You had your weapon, a sword in the other hand. God gives man the right to defend himself. And obviously, if you're trying to defend yourself against a machine gun, a baseball bat will not do the work. You know, you're just not going to be able to do that. You need something at least equal to defend yourself. There may come a time in the near future when you will be safer in your home than you are in your church. The probability of someone walking into your house and shooting you or killing you, you're safer there, but it will be higher probability of someone coming in here in your church. Okay, what's in your hand? You got a Bible in one hand, what do you got in the other hand? <laughs> and I know we like to think, well, God will, will protect us. And I believe that. And I'm sure Nehemiah believed that. But you say, I want your work tool in one hand, I want your weapon in the other hand. The right to defend yourself. Once your government takes away your right to defend yourself, get ready to line up for the gas chambers. Now, 
I've been told politics and religion don't mix. And I have never agreed with that one bit. In fact, my mother used to tell me, you don't talk about politics from the pulpit, you don't talk about sex. I didn't agree with her back then. It's, and listen, as, as, parent, as, as sons and daughters, it's okay to disagree with your parents. It's okay. It's okay. We compartmentalize our lives. We have our religious area, which may be the size of a post-it stamp. We got our religion in there, and we got who we really are, which is a big compartment. Your work, your goals, your dreams, you know, everything about you, that's a big compartment. We have another compartment called politics. That's another compartment. God does not compartmentalize you. All those compartments equals you, the way you think, the way you view life, the way you view God and family and country, your ideals. All of those compartments represent you. That's why I think you can't mix. You can't separate one's political views with religion because it all represents you. You know, saying that, well, you, you, you know, it's sort of like saying you can have religion without conviction. That doesn't work, does it? No, you, no you've, if you've got religion, you've got to have conviction. In fact, if I were to ask people, you know, what's your view about the president or former president? You, a lot of people would get very passionate, and that's good. It's good that you, you have passion, but passion tells me where your convictions are. In other words, I know that person has convictions. They have ideals about the way the world should be and the way things should be, and, and it reveals you've got conviction in that area. I'm not knocking passion. I'm just saying if I were to ask you, a lot of, a lot of people would become very passionate, and I could find out, huh, so that's what you believe. Some people, if they told me their political views, I might not even consider them a brother in Christ. How's that for unity in the church? <laughs> I read stuff on, I, I, I've got Facebook pages and YouTube, you know, channels, and I, I read stuff and I think, I thought that guy was in the church. Either we're worshiping a different God, or he's, I don't know what church he just entered into, but, you know, I mean, it's... Um, when you, when you question whether a person is a brother in Christ or not, you know, that's why I think, you know, the, the, we can't compartmentalize our lives and hide behind these issues and pretend that, well, I, I, I don't have a view. Well, sure you have a view. My point is this. This army is going to be a unified, one mind, one spirit army. As you looked at those imagery of that guy riding on a horse coming, you know, this is not a divided army. It is unity, absolute unity in spirit. Another way that, you know, believing a lie, media propaganda is how we believe a lie. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I'm just looking at media propaganda. And I, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> overlook this, you know, when it comes to issues of politics. If I... Let's say I, my life was open to the public for eight solid straight years. Just vulnerable for everybody. Everything I did was open to the public. In eight years, I would make a lot of mistakes. No one would say David Freeman is perfect. I can guarantee you that. And yet, I look at propaganda, media, liberal media, who never for eight years criticize one thing that the Obama administration did. Now, there were people criticizing it, but it wasn't the liberal media. 
And I just take notice of that because I realize that no one is above reproach. I mean, no one, you know, it's sort of like that saying, you have to rise above your critics. But you also have to rise above those who speak well of you all the time. And if someone is always speaking well of you, that's just as worse sign as someone criticizing you all the time. And yet if I look at, and then I look at the media, who, who at least to my knowledge, Trump can never do anything right, who is always criticizing everything. And it's not that I'm for, against, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is I'm looking at a biased media that is lying, propaganda. And I have to take note of that. I have to take notice that, that well, no one could, could go eight years without being criticized in, in some area. I think the liberal media, to some degree, are the false prophets of, of today. We always look at religion in that area. And of course, you know, when I meet people who can tell me the names of all the Hollywood star singers and everything they're doing and knows the dates they were born and, and yet couldn't probably quote you a scripture from the Bible, I think, okay, that person is open to gross deception. The prophets that are out there, the, the Hollywood stars, not all of them, obviously not all of them, but many of them can be. Singers can be. Could God's people be hoodwinked by the society in which we live? Listen closely. False religion is only one way to deceive God's people. And we have a tendency to sort of think, well, I've, I've come out of false religion. Therefore, there is no danger of me being deceived. Do not kid yourself. Do not kid yourself. There's more than one way to, what is it, what's that saying, skin a cat or whatever. <laughs> There's more than one way to skin a Christian or skin someone in God's church. Okay, religious deception, yeah, maybe you have come out of that. But have you come out of the deception that is in the world, that is, you're being bombarded by night and day? That they may be one as we are one. The army of God will be perfect in one. In knowledge, conviction, discernment, ideas, plan of action, God's army will be unified. Another thing that is just tearing people up, and I think tearing people up in God's church, is we believe a lie when we buy into the world's view of fairness, the world's view of what's fair, that's not fair. In Matthew 20 and verse 1, I'm just going to skip through this. Matthew 20 and verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in the vineyards. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyards. Now, you know the story. The key word is they agreed. Your workers agreed. That's the key word right there. And he goes out and hires people in the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour, which is really, I don't think they had much time to work beyond, probably working 12 hours a day, hour day, or maybe 16, I don't know. But the ones hired in the eleventh hour didn't have much time to work. Anyway, you know the story, Matthew 20 and verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his servants, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last into the first. They all agreed to work for whatever it was, a penny or whatever that amount of money was. I'll pay all of you the same. Here it is. They all agreed to it. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should receive more. 
and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, Well, these last have wrought but one hour, and you have made them equal unto us, which you have been out in the middle of the heat all day long. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a penny? Take what is yours and go your way. I will give unto the last even as thee. Is it not lawful, and I love this statement, for me to do what I will with my own? He was the business owner, by the way. Is it not lawful as the business owner to do whatever I want to do? Uh, is your eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. For many that be called, for many shall be called, but few are chosen. This slaps in the face the world's idea of fairness. I mean, it really does. You have the world's idea of fairness, and then you have the Word of God. Who are you going to believe? It's your choice to believe what you want to believe. You will choose to believe one or the other. The business owner can do what he wants. Why? Because he owns the business. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is your eye evil because I am good? So who are you going to believe? The world's idea of fairness or the Word of God? It's your choice to believe, you know, you can believe the world's idea of fairness. You can say, well, that's not fair what he did. You can believe that, but you're not going to be in God's army. That's the point. You're not going to be in God's army. This also slaps in the face of businesses being forced to be union or unionized. It really does. And I know a lot of people will say, well, union, unions came because people were working in poor working environments and they were getting paid 50 cents a day. Well, some people are not worth 50 cents a day. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, and I thought, well, what would Jesus say? Jesus would probably say, okay, if you're dumb enough to work in that environment, and if you agree for 50 cents a day, thumbs up. It's perfectly okay. Because you're, I love how Jesus places personal responsibility on the individual. It's all up to you. I used to work at sales knitting. I made minimum wage. I look back on that and I think I was an idiot for working for minimum wage, but I want to tell you, I gave it all I got. And when I quit, they hired three to take my place. I did not, I did not have a bad attitude because I was the big dummy that, worked, that agreed to work for minimum wage. I was the one that made that agreement. So I didn't have a bad attitude. Total responsibility on the individual. There is no one who has more discernment as to what people are worth than the business owner. There are some people not worth 50 cents a day. We have a guy that we just hired, and we call him the sloth or the sloth. There's two ways, and no one knows how to pronounce that word then. The sloth, the sloth. But, we'll, how is it? Sloth. sloth. We'll say, go get us some rocks. And this guy, I mean, I'm not kidding, he's like 20 years old. And you're thinking, what, what's the use? I'll just go get my own rock. Now, he's doing better. The only reason he's doing better is because he's surrounded by guys who are wide open. And it's having an impact on him. And that's good. But he's still, he's so slow you can barely see him work. <laughs> you know, there's an attitude that I have seen, you see, and, and, I, and I'm not picking on young people, but I see it among, and the reason I'm saying it is because I see it from young people. Hey, you hired me. I got a job. I should get a paycheck because you hired me. 
And the idea of being productive never crosses their mind, that you have to earn what you're going to get. You hired me, and I should get a paycheck. I talked to Kelly Pearson, and he said that's, and it's not just young people either. It's old farts, too, you know. <laughs> there is an attitude in the church that I see among mainstream Christianity, and, and you know, it's the idea that, well, I raised my hand, and I invited Jesus into my heart, and I'll, I'm going to heaven when I die. There's an idea in the church that, well, I've gone through the motion. I've gone through baptism, and I've received the Spirit of God. I, I keep the Sabbath. I keep the holy days. And I'm going to be in the first resurrection. I don't mean to scare you, but there is no guarantee of that. There is no guarantee of that. I'm going to say something, that, that, and then I'll try to give you some encouragement later. Many are called, few are chosen. Few in this room will be a part of this army. Don't ever get complacent and just think, I got my ticket. Many are called. Many, many, many are invited to participate in the process of having our minds conform to the way Jesus thinks. To conform to his ideals, to be united with the mind of Christ. But few will be chosen for the army of the living God. Now what can you do about it? Because I don't want you to leave here thinking, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Yes, there is something you can do about it. The Bible says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Again, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know, truth is a wonderful thing, but I think we can use the truth. We've used truth to beat people over the head with. We've used the truth to become modern-day Pharisees. We've used the truth rightfully to establish doctrines. I mean, that's good. You should use truth to establish your doctrines. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can use the truth to appear more righteous than others. We can, we've used the truth to divide the church. You can't split kindling. But somehow we've overlooked the real meaning of truth. To think like Jesus thinks. Man, how does Jesus think about this? The unity we should strive for is that our minds are unified with Christ, that we think like Jesus. And sometimes we, we look at others and we say, well, they don't think, they don't see things like I see it. That's not important. The only concern I need to have is, is my mind being unified with Christ to think like he thinks, to have his ideals, his, his, you know, his fairness, what he sees, how he views the world, and what is coming, and what this army is going to be like. But understand, many are called, but few are chosen. God will choose his army well. He will choose that army well. I think of the army of God. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have enemies in your army. You can't be sleeping with the enemy. You know, enemies can be some of the most likable people in the world. <laughs> so nice, but they think differently. They think totally different. They can be nice. 
The parable of the talents. I'm not going to go through all this, but it's just it's Matthew 25 and verse 28 if you want to look at that. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make some points because I know you, you know this parable of the talents. How that each one was given a certain amount of, of you know, and then so, you know, told, go, go, go do something with this talent that I've given you. And you know the story, how that one hit it in the ground and the others were productive. They, they multiplied their talents. And, and Jesus said, take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto him that has ten talents. And I can hear the world scream out and say, that's not fair. Who are you believing? Are you believing the world? Or are you believing what your Bible tells you? That's not fair. To take from the guy who just wanted to play it safe and to give it to the most successful one, that's not fair. You see, in God's world, there are winners and losers. In our world, we try to establish equality for the winners and the losers, to make them all equal. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, you know, the fat boy that running broad jump. The only thing he didn't jump. But he gets a trophy. He gets to, everybody gets, that's what schools, you know, in college, everybody gets a trophy. Winners and losers. I was reading something from Earl, no, listening to something Earl Nightingale, and it was amazing. He said this, listen closely. He said, the human race is fixed not to prevent the strong from winning, but to prevent the weak from losing. Let me repeat that. The world is fixed not to prevent the strong man from winning, but to prevent the weak from losing. And I wonder what in the world, you know, Earl Nightingale goes back into the 50s and 60s. I thought, what in the world did he see back then that, that gave him this wisdom? If you could resurrect Earl Nightingale today and say, take a look at our society now, he would say, not only is the world human race fixed to prevent the weak from losing, it is also fixed to keep the strong man from winning. That if you get a strong man with leadership skills, it is fixed so he cannot win. How pitiful have we become? And who, who are you feeding your mind? Who are you going to believe? Who you believe will determine if you're in this army or not. The world or what your Bible says. Your, the world has a, a concept about fairness that is a lie. My question is this. Have we brought into the world's view of fairness and equality for all? If you have, you're not going to be a part of this army. Revelation, in, to conclude with, Revelation 2 and verse 26. And he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And that word overcometh just means to the winner. To the winners. I'm going to give power over the nations. That's Revelation 2 and verse 26. And I wonder if we have let the world's view of fairness totally deceive us. Totally deceive us. I want to tell you something. I have every intention of being a part of God's army. But I know it will never ever happen unless my mind is unified with Christ. That we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
So I want to close, I mean, we'll still have a, a closing prayer, but I want to close my sermon with a prayer. If you would, bow your head. Father in heaven, <clears throat> my life and each person in this room, in my life and in each person in this room, I pray that this will happen, that we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that not just a few in this room, but all will be a part of the army of God. Amen.